0: Hello everyone, my name is Brian Sparks and I'm the lead pastor at One Church in Texas. This is the One Church Podcast. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. I pray that this message encourages you and that in our time together, you encounter Jesus and that your life will never be the same. Psalms 112, verse five through six, you came on the our annual giving Uh, message, if you're here visiting with us, I I would just say this, and I want you to know that that I used to, as uh, whenever we first started the church, I I was always really like, I I, I shied away from giving messages, and I don't anymore. And the reason why I don't shy away from giving messages anymore, and I, I don't preach them often, but when I do preach them, I don't shy away from them. And the reason why I don't is because giving has changed my life. Like the fact that I I, being generous to others, making a difference in others has absolutely changed my life. And some of you came in today and you're like, man, here it is. Like I showed up on this day. I would just tell you that God probably has you here for a reason. And that's not to share the message with somebody else. It's probably that you need to take it and go, God, what are you saying to me? And, and I would encourage you that God is wanting to change your life and God is wanting to change lives around you. And so just lean into this. Don't get all upset. Don't, get a, 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 don't, don't make up your mind before. Uh, and, and let's just lean into this. Psalms 112, verse 5 through 6. Psalms 112, 5 through 6. It says this. It is well with a man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. I love that God says this. Generous people are remembered forever. And this is a legacy mindset, right? Like it's this this idea that, God, I know that 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 if you, tarry, I will die someday. But my legacy can live forever. I can invest in something that will go on long after I'm gone. And so if you're taking notes today, you can title today's message, It's Bigger Than Me. Come on, just say, It's Bigger Than Me. Everybody say, It's Bigger Than Me. Lord, right now, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. They did not come to hear a word from me. They've come to hear a word from you. So, Lord, use me to speak to the hearts and the lives of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You know, about five years ago, Crystal and I and the kids went to uh, New York, and uh, while we were there, I, it was... It was uh, Kids, kids were much younger, obviously, and while I was there, I realized something, that, that uh, I had seen New York, and I was good to not see New York ever again, <laughs> personally. Now that's nothing. If you're watching from New York or you're from New York, that's nothing against you. I'm just uh, I'm not a big city kind of guy, and so while I was there, I decided, you know what, I probably need to see everything that there is to see. So we went and saw the 9/11 memorial, which was absolutely incredible, and then we decided that we have to go see the Empire State Building while we're here. It's like an iconic building, right? It was it was the largest building uh, in America for over four, or, or actually in the world for over 40 years. Like it's this iconic building. And so we decided we're going to go out and see it. So we're loading, we're, we're getting the kids up, we're in, staying in a hotel and we're like, okay, we're going to go see the Empire State Building. So all of us decided to go except for one of us who is Braley, yep. who is 13 and in a I hate everything face. So... <laughs> She decided to stay at the hotel, and we went to the Empire State Building. A couple of things you need to know about the Empire State Building. It really is pretty incredible. You can't imagine how big or tall it actually is until you're standing uh, in its shadow. It is an amazing building. Uh, there, there's also something you need to know. is like they do really have like an elf. They have the, the doors that do this. Uh, Crystal can tell you, do not try to do the elf thing <laughs> where you run in and out. like She did it, and the security guard goes, not a good idea. but the empire state building is absolutely massive it's actually 102 stories tall Uh, it stands an amazing 1454 feet in height it's two it has 2.25 million square feet of office space the empire state building though was built in a time when it shouldn't be built In fact, the Empire State Building was the, was like the conception of the Empire State Building was presented and then about five weeks after the Great Depression hit. Uh, and, and if you don't know anything about history, the Great Depression was a time when the stock market crashed and everything, Millionaire, millionaires went broke overnight, like it was a very devastating time. And so everybody was saying that the, the Empire State Building, all the plans for the Empire State Building should cease. It shouldn't be done, like, like we should stop doing this, this is a waste of money, it's a waste of resource. But there was a man named Alfred E. Smith who was a visionary, and, and he refused to let what people said was impossible be impossible and so he continued uh to forge ahead he said no i made plans to build the empire state building and so i don't care if you say it's impossible i'm gonna move forward and i'm gonna build the empire state building and because he was unwilling to relent and say you know what this is impossible this is the wrong time because he did that he actually built it faster cheaper and and actually higher he went a little bit higher than it was supposed to be built because he refused to let what everyone else was saying was impossible, be impossible to him. And I would ask you this, because people are always trying to limit you. And, and actually, uh, Pastor Jabin was here at our first Wednesday uh, service, Pre- Pastor Jabin Chavez was here at our first Wednesday, and he said something in his message, he said a lot of great things in his message, but he said something, he said, uh, he said this, impossible, what a ridiculous word. And whenever I heard that, something went off in my spirit because truly, that's the way that I try to live my life. Uh, impossible, what a ridiculous word. And a lot of times we live our lives letting people put the word impossible over our lives, not realizing that to God, all things are possible. In fact, God would look at what we call impossible and go, man, what a ridiculous word. I can't believe that you would say that. And in fact, I would go so far as to say this, that when you read the Bible, you will realize very quickly that we serve a God that does the impossible. We serve a God that sees. We serve a God that walks on water. We serve a God that opens blind eyes and deaf ears. We serve a God that makes the lame walk. We serve a God that can raise the dead. We serve a God that can provide for your needs out of a fish that He pull, you pull out of the ocean. God is able to do the impossible. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can think Ask or imagine. In fact, Matthew 19 26 says this, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, it, this is impossible. But with God, all things. Somebody say all things. All things. Come on, say all things like you mean it. He didn't say some things. He didn't say a few things. He said all things. And I'll just tell you this. Maybe you came in today thinking, man, I'm facing an impossible situation. Can I tell you that with God, all things are possible. This is your verse. And you need to begin to declare it over your life. No, with God, all things. Whatever man is trying to limit, God says it's not impossible. That he's able to do whatever it is that you ask, think, or imagine. So I would say this. That Take the impossibility off God. Don't put him in a box. Don't don't limit him. Don't say he's unable to do it. I'm telling you that the God of the Bible is still alive and active and moving in your life. Don't limit God. God is able to cause the addiction in your life to break. God is able to cause the marriage to be restored. God is able to provide an, an, a debt-canceling miracle in your life. God is able. He's the God of the impossible. All things are possible. Come on, we need to be an all things church. Not a some things church, a few things church. I mean, all things are possible. I'm preaching better than you're, amen. <laughs> the reason why you should never limit God in your life is because the God of the impossible is at work in your life. The God of the impossible is building your life. The God of the impossible is doing construction in your life. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are being transformed or we are being changed from glory to glory. So that means this, that God is constructing. In fact, you could probably wear a shirt that said under construction, And it would be perfectly real because the the truth is, is that God, when God is at work in my life, God is changing me from the inside out. He's transforming me. He's moving in my life and he's changing me a little bit at a time. Most of us would never equate what God is doing in our lives to construction. But the fact is, is that that's exactly what he's doing. God takes our lives and begins to build great things in them. God takes who we are and begins to create us into who he created us to be. He's in doing construction in our life. And here's the thing, as I say all that to say this, is that when Alfred E. Smith decided to move forward and to build the Empire State Building, After the plans and everything was done, that you have to know this, that there was a talk about money. Like nobody goes, nobody showed up, how are we going to build it? Well, I don't know. We're going to build it on faith, brother. Hallelujah. Like, right? There was a talk about money. And I don't think Alfred E. Smith was shocked when they brought up money or how much it was going to cost to build this building. In fact, let me just go a little bit farther. If you were to decide to build a house or buy a house, you would go down, you would look at the house, you would look, look let's say, okay, I want to build this house. This is, you could go to the architect, you could have them draw up plans, and everything would be great. But I can guarantee you that when you take those plans to the bank, there's going to be some talk about money. You're not going to be shocked by that. If you decide, let's, go, let's just take it a little further. If you decide to go down and buy a car, and you want a new car. You go down to whatever dealership that you go down to. And you, you, you find the car. You find the one that you want. You go, man, this is the one I want. You know that there's going to be at some point before you drive off the lot in that car, there's going to be a talk about money. Right. Yeah. You're not going to be shocked by that. Right. You're not going to buy a car on your good looks. <laughs> I can promise you none of you are that good looking. Let's just take it a little bit further. When you go down to Whataburger and you ask them to build you a double meat cheeseburger, glory to God, <laughs> with extra cheese, hallelujah. <laughs> you construct this burger and they say we will build it. You're not shocked when they say that'll be 10.50. Like, you're not shocked by that. Why? Because you know that it costs money to build things. And at no point in any of those scenarios are you ever surprised that money was brought up. At no point in any of those scenarios did you think that the, the fact that somebody mentioned money when you were at the car dealership or at the bank to buy a house or build a house or wherever you find yourself or at Waterburger, the fact that they brought up money did not offend you, did not make you upset. You did not feel awkward about it at all. Right. You didn't think it was inappropriate, right? Because you know that it costs money to build things. Yeah. Are you all with me? It costs money to build things and you know that. So, but, but as soon as money is brought up in church, oh. hey. all of a sudden, people think it's inappropriate or awkward or offensive. Hey. Like, Phyllis, get your purse. He's talking about money. <laughs> Another preacher just after my money. Listen, I know that, I know that, that you've seen this abused. Like, I know you've seen these things. Like, sometimes there are people out there that abuse good things. That does not mean that they're not good things. Can I tell you that I did not fly here in a Learjet? (laughs) I didn't take a private helicopter to get here because I was too good to drive the 20 minutes. I came in a 2013 Ford F-150, praise God. (laughs) Paid for it, glory to God. And I would say that the, the reason, like, as soon as money is talked about in church, all of a sudden people think this is inappropriate or this is awkward or this is offensive. And the reason why is obviously because you've seen it abused. But can I tell you that that's not happening in this local church? It's not being abused. In fact, we're using it to make a difference in others. In fact, let me just go this. The reason why people think it's awkward or inappropriate or offensive is because they don't know what their money is doing. Their money is not building things. Their money is building people people. Can I tell you, the greatest thing in the world is the local church. It's not something that man created. It's something that God created. Why? Because he loves people and he cares for people. And can I tell you, the church is going around the world preaching the gospel. The church is helping to restore people and restore marriages. The church is feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. The church is serving people in the communities, making a difference. And I in fact, I will tell you this, that if it was not for the church, America would suffer. And when I know that I'm building people, I I, I know that when I give, that I'm making a difference in others. It changes the way that I look. And when God brings up money, it's because people are on his heart. And so they're on mine. And it costs money to build things. And it costs money to build people. A pew research study revealed that 63% of atheists and agnostic uh, think houses of worship, this is a quote, contribute not much or nothing at all to solving important social problems. So atheists and agnostic believe that churches aren't making a difference. But here's the facts. Faith-based organizations help over 70 million people. Americans every single year. One key service is to feed the millions struggling with poverty and have limited access to food. Over 60% of the food banks in the United States are faith-based organizations helping over 70 million Americans. Now listen to this. If it was not for the local church, America would starve. of the food banks are feeding Americans. And if it weren't for those faith based organizations, America would starve. And that's not to go on and say what we're doing like for crisis relief and mental health and all the other like preaching the gospel around the world and helping uh, people in poverty all over the world. That's just talking about in our backyard. And so I want you to know that the church is not something that's here today and gone tomorrow. The church is important and it's important for many reasons, but it's also important for our neighbors and our friends people in our backyard. The church is constantly looking for ways to help people. The church is constantly looking for for ways to heal people. The church is constantly looking for ways to build people. Hebrews 6.10 says this. For God is not unrighteous to forget or overlook your labor and the love which you have shown for his name's sake in ministering to the needs of the saints as you still do. Can I tell you that whenever I meet the needs of people, I'm showing love to my God? Why? Again, because God loves people. And God wants, in fact, Matthew 25, 36 through 40 says this, that I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous said, Jesus, when did we do any of this thing? He said, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And so when I have a mindset that God cares about the people in my life, it changes the way that I look at giving because the ultimate purpose of my life isn't to live my life for me. It's to live my life to make a difference in others. Like God has blessed me so that I can bless others. In fact, we're always looking everything. Every time you see something, something happening at one church, you need to know that it's not about a project. It's about people. In fact, we just recently added an exit driveway to our Sulphur Springs campus. Why? Because people were coming in, and it was like a traffic jam, and it was absolute mess. And so we were like, how can we fix this and make it easier for people to come in and out of this campus? And so we added an exit driveway. And the reason why we added this exit driveway is not because we love driveways. (laughs) Like, I'm not lying in bed at night dreaming of, oh, oh, you know, it would be a fantastic driveway. Oh, yeah. Gets me all excited. Like, but I love people. We're getting ready on December 12th, we're predicted, to break ground on an 800-seat auditorium. Fantastic. I'm excited about the building, not because I love buildings, but because I love people. People. And as a church, we are committed to reaching as many people as we possibly can. So every time you see something happening in our church, you need to know it's not because we want to do a project. It's because we want to reach people. So everything that I do is geared towards reaching people, helping people, and healing people. In the business world, they, they have this thing called a return on investment. Right? It's ROI. You get a return on your investment. And, and, and everybody knows that they look at business people look at what is my return on the investment? If I give money to this, what am I going to get in return for this money that I'm giving? But I would say this, that in the kingdom of God, we should look at an eternal return on investment. Like we should look different. It's an E-R-O-I. Like what? When I give money, it's not something that's temporal. It's something that's eternal. In fact this I'll tell you this that when you give like when when you invest in a building eventually that building will crumble. When you invest in a car come on eventually that car is going to break down. When you invest in things eventually those things are going to give out or break down but when you invest in people it lasts forever. So I have an eternal return on investment. And I know that when I give to the kingdom of God and I give to the local church, I'm investing not in projects, I'm investing in people. And I know that every person that comes through the doors of this brand new facility and encounters Jesus and and God makes a difference in their life, it's an eternal investment that I was a part of. When I invest in a driveway or a project, I know that I'm making a difference not on a project, but in people. Because yes. I can't take, take stuff with me to heaven. That's right, that's right. But I know that I can take people. Yeah, I can invest in people. I can love people. So i got to move quick. How do we do this? How do we live this out? Number one, we have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. I, I live my life with an eternal perspective. And because I have an eternal perspective, I help people that I can help. I meet the needs that I can meet. I serve the people that I can serve. As Christians, we should be intentionally generous. In fact, 2 Corinthians 9.11, it says this, Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Living a generous life goes beyond money. See, when I live a generous life, I, I know this, that everything that I have is, is meant to bring glory to God. So I live a generous life and I know that God is giving me words so I can encourage people. God, have, God has given me hands and arms so I can hug somebody, God has given me a car so I can give somebody a ride to church. God has given me a house so I can welcome somebody in and, and let them eat at my table. God, God has given me things why so that I can give them away like it's not just about money it's about God I, I, you have everything in my life you have my heart you have my life you have everything and yeah it comes down to money I live with an open hand and God you gave it to me in the first place so whatever it is that you're asking me to give I give but it means this that you got to make plans to give generosity won't happen on accident it's something that you have to do intentionally you have to make plans to give first corinthians 16 2 it says this on the first day of each week let each one of you personally put aside something and save it up as he has proposed i'm going to read on because i got to go but can i tell you that it takes faith to give the first part of your income to god it takes faith crystal and i'll just tell you this personally Crystal and I, always, every year, we've been given tithes and offerings. Tithes is the first 10% of your money uh, of whatever you bring in. Offerings is anything above that. We've been doing that since we've been married. I was doing it long before we got married, but we've been doing it since we've been married. But I'll say this, that this is a goal for us personally, is that we try every year to outgive ourselves from the previous year. And when I say that, some of you are like, what? Like, that's, that's our goal. Is that I want to give, I don't, sometimes it's, some, it, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a percentage. Sometimes it could be $100 more than the previous year. But I want to live my life where it's always a, like, I have to rearrange my life to be intentionally generous. Why? Because I know that I am, I'm having an eternal return on my investment that I'm making a difference in people. So I live my life and we structure our life so that we're always out giving ourselves every single year. In fact, David said this, there's a guy that offers him this land so that he can build this altar and he's offering oxen. And David says this, I will not give something to God that didn't cost me anything. Meaning that I sacrifice. And sometimes we live our lives and it becomes this thing where it's no longer a sacrifice. Come on, when you first buy something, you're like, I don't know if I can, like when Crystal and I bought, her, bought our house, we were like, I don't know if I can afford it, but then it becomes normal. You, you first purchased Netflix, you were like, oh, I don't know, $9.99 a month, woo. We gonna be able to do it, Susan? I think so, we are gonna be able to do it. Now you don't even notice it. And I would just encourage you, maybe God is asking you to start upping your giving. this isn't this is like i'm not trying to get you to do this today this is something that i'm telling you that you need to pray about because this is something that god puts on our heart because we want to always outgive ourselves and if you i I had somebody the other day they were talking about i've got to stop they they were talking about their investments they were like oh man the stock market's down everything's down my my investments are down and everything's bad and and I, i can honestly say that in the world's view of things things are down but then I love to do this because here's the thing is that if you give to the kingdom of God if you give to one church your investments aren't down your investments are actually up why because we're helping more people than we've ever helped We're clothing more people than we've ever clothed. We're preaching the gospel more places than we've ever preached the gospel. We're helping our community more than we've ever helped our community. We're making a difference in the people around us and around the world more than we've ever done that. We're taking the gospel further than we've ever taken the gospel. Can I tell you that if you give to the kingdom of God, if you give to one church, your investments are down, your investments are up. In fact, this year alone, listen to this, we've seen 1,758 salvation this year alone. And if that doesn't stir you, I don't know what will, why, because lives are being changed. People are being built. It's an eternal return on my investment. Number two, you need to be joyful in your giving. I gotta just say this, be joyful, not reluctantly, not sorrowful, under compulsion. It's your get out of jail Free card, for God takes pleasure in. If you're sitting there going, I don't, meow, meow. just hold on to your wallet, Joe. It's fine. Why? Because I've learned this. But it's not always as much about the gift; it's about how you give it. God, thank you. The youth, you bless me so I can be a blessing to others. God, you poured out your love on your and your grace, and your mercy on me and my family, so I get to do that for others. God, you've changed my life, so I get to help somebody else's life be changed. Like, it's a it's a joy for me to give. Third thing, and I'm done. Give because someone gave for you. This is what I do. I give because someone gave for me. In fact, I'll say this, that on our first Sunday as a church, like, we, we were... Preparing to launch a church, uh, our church, and it cost one hundred and eleven thousand dollars for us to buy equipment uh, to launch that church, like signs and everything. If one hundred and eleven thousand dollars is a lot of money to you, you're in the right place. Bless God, Amen. But but it was a lot of. It might as well have been ten million to us. And and people gave that money, and because people gave that money, we were able to have our first service. And because we were able to have our first service, people came, people encountered Jesus, people's lives were changed, and people were saved. This building, when we decided to buy it and renovate it, it cost $2.3 million to buy it and build it and renovate it. And we were able to purchase it because people gave. We were able to renovate it because people gave. And because we were able to build or buy, build, and renovate, guess what? Lives were changed. People encountered Jesus. Marriages were healed and restored. Like this is all going on. Sulfur Springs, when we decided to launch that campus, like we had to buy the building and we had to renovate it and we had to do a lot of work. We had to build an extradited. Like all of this stuff is happening. And because people gave, people came and people encountered Jesus. Can I can you hear me? It's not about projects. gave before you ever got here to give you a seat and air conditioning and heat and to give your kids a place to worship God and encounter and find their purpose. People gave so that instruments could be played and you could hear and encounter the Lord every single time people gave. Yes, yes. Because before you even got here, they thought of you So when I walk in and I sit in a seat, when I see a hand go up, it's because people knew that they were giving to something that would live beyond them. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to know that at the end of this message we're gonna take up an offering we do this every this isn't this isn't something new in fact i would just go so far as to let you know that i'm not trying i i want you to hear this word and i want you to pray about it if you're like man i i don't give i'm I'm, i don't i'm not a i've never given or every now and then i'll throw in a little bit here and there but I'm not sure about the whole tithes and offering thing. I want you just to pray about it. In fact, I would ask that if you're married in this place, I want you to pray about it. In fact, if you are married in this place and your spouse is sitting next to you, just hold your hand and just open your hand up towards God and just pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Now, here's the thing. It's whatever God is telling you, whatever God is instructing you to do, that's what you should do. Lord, right now, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that, God, that you were generous, that people before us were generous, Lord, so we could encounter you. God, that we could have a relationship with you. Thank you that you were the first one that was generous. For God, you, lo- you loved us, so you gave your only son. So Lord, I pray that we live our lives in a different way. We live our lives looking for opportunities to be generous to others, to hug people, to encourage people, to give people rides, to open our homes to people. But God, that I pray this that we would walk out of these doors. be generous to others and Lord that that generosity would bring thanksgiving to you we thank you for this thanksgiving season even as we're providing boxes for these families that God that our generosity will help someone encounter Jesus in Jesus name with every head bowed every eye still closed no one's looking around maybe you're in this place you don't know Jesus you never ask him to be the Lord of your life but today you'd like to Maybe you're in this place and you say, Brian, I've prayed that prayer. I've asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, but I'm not living like it. I've walked away from my relationship with him. Today, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Again, you can't preach the gospel without talking about giving because God so loved that he gave. He gave his life for you. If you're here and you say, Brian, that's me. I need Jesus in my life for the first time or I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. I'm going to count to three and wherever you are, you can boldly slip your hand up put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I just simply want to know who I'm praying with. Brian, that's me. I need Jesus in my life for the first time one. Brian, today I'm rededicating my life to Jesus too. Brian, will you pray that prayer with me? Three, just wherever you are, you can boldly slip your hand up. I see those hands. God loves you, friend. I see those hands. God loves you. see that hand. God loves you. Anybody else? Anybody else? see that hand. There you go. Can we pray this prayer together as a church family? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins. Take my sin. And by your grace, I take your righteousness. I make you the Lord of my life. I give you all that I am. I hold nothing back. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, give it up for every person that prayed that prayer. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we are so excited. We want to celebrate with you. If you would do us a favor, pull out your phones and text the keyword DECIDED, the 903-634-7135. Again, that's DECIDED, the 903-634-7135. We're not going to stalk you. We just want to celebrate what God has begun in your life. Make sure you have everything you need as you continue in this incredible journey of faith. Amen. We love you so much. Have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening to this message. A special thanks to those who give generously to One Church. It's because of you that lives are being impacted all over the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit subscribe for more messages like this. Share this with a friend, post it on social media, and be sure to tag us at I Am One Church. Thanks again for listening.